To put off eternal salvation is like playing Russian roulette with your life. You have no guarantee you'll wake up tomorrow. That's why God is telling us, now is the time, today is the day. Boy, I love Christmas time. I really do, and I love the decorations. Some of the ladies were decorating around the auditorium. And it sure is nice, isn't it? Maybe you put up some decorations in your home, or maybe you don't, but um, I know my wife loves to. It's one of her favorite times of year. She gets to be very uh, creative with a few things, and she works and makes our, our home look, look warm and welcoming. I have a little joke for you. I hope you don't mind this, but I just have to read this for you. I thought it was kind of funny. It's all about this old grandpa guy. And he had a bunch of grandchildren. And it got to the point where shopping for Christmas presents had become too difficult for him. And besides that, he thought, you know, his grandkids had everything they needed. And so what he decided to do was um, he decided he was going to write them all a Christmas card. And there was something like 17 grandkids out there. And uh, he was going to give each one a check with um, a chunk of money. And so he wrote each card very carefully, you know, in his shaky handwriting. And he wrote, Happy Christmas, Grandpa. Then he said, P.S. Buy your own present. Well, a, a week or two after, they had this big family gathering for Christmas and everyone was there and all of the grandkids and they were all keeping their distance from Grandpa. And so he noticed this and he thought that was kind of strange why, you know, they didn't even thank him or anything. And so they all went and, you know, he got thinking about this and he's kind of chewing on, on it there for the next week or two into the New Year's. And in January, he was cleaning up some stuff, and underneath a pile of magazines, he found all of the checks that he wrote that he was supposed to put in each card. And so each grandkid got a card that said, Happy Christmas, Grandpa. P.S. Buy your own present. <laughs> so I thought that was too good not to share. Well... As I say, Christmas time is a special time. And um, I want you to, to notice in Luke chapter 2, I hope you have your Bibles open, Luke chapter 2. I want you to notice a key verse here. This passage is familiar to all of us, I'm sure. And in chapter 2 of Luke, verse number 11. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Everyone all together. Verse 11. You folks at home, you read with us, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Let's go. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, in a nutshell, um, that's what it's all about. That's what the Christmas celebration, the season is all about. It's about the birth of our Savior. Now, think about this with me for a moment. Uh, during fishing season, does it make sense that fishing, during fishing season, fishing is the reason for the season? Does that make any sense? 
during fishing season, yes or no? Yes? Yeah. And what about hunting season? Hunting then would be the reason for the season. Yes, correct? Are you following me with this? Well, what about baseball season? What would be the reason for baseball season? What would it be? Baseball. What about the football season? What would be the reason for the football season? Say it. Football. Yeah, that's the reason for the football season. And what about the hockey season? What's the reason for the hockey season? Hockey. But we come to Christmas and all of a sudden things aren't the same anymore. We come to Christmas and all of a sudden now it's a a season uh, in which most people don't deal with the reason. The reason for the season uh, is gone. It's lost its reasoning. It's, It's lost. Somehow Jingle Bells has replaced Silent Night. Somehow greed has replaced giving. Somehow parties have replaced prayer meetings. Somehow the Christmas toy catalog has replaced the Holy Bible. And somehow Santa Claus has replaced the Savior of men. A poet by the name of Cooper wrote, It's Christmas time, the people say, the signs proclaim, the stores portray, glittering trees and ornaments rare, scurrying shoppers everywhere, laden counters with toys abound, children's eyes so large and round, happy faces and greetings gay, laughter and mirth along the way, but where is Jesus? And it's a beautiful little poem with three more verses that we don't have time to look at. But you get the idea. Now here in the scripture, we're told the very reason for the season. And that's in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, people often forget about um, Jesus they they forget about the reason but they remember the celebration part and they have celebrations and they have parties and a lot of hoopla but they seem to forget the whole reason why why we have christmas something that irks me maybe it doesn't irk you but it sure irks me it's the uh, the rotten liquor industry you know that industry has corrupted so many good men and women destroyed so many families, uh, I think destroyed good businesses. I think that it's led to a tremendous amount of crime. Incredible. But this miserable industry sort of whitewashes its rotten sepulchers and tries to convince people that it, it's a, a, a good old boy after all. Upright morals. They come out with signs, advertisements that say, don't drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Things like that. You know, that sounds moral and upright. But what if the, uh, the gun manufacturers were to say, well, if you really must shoot people, don't kill them. Well, it's only a thought. 
But I do believe that we have a message for all of Surrey and for all of Canada. And that message is that Jesus is the reason for the season. Today is sort of that kickoff for the Christmas season for our church. And I just want us to sort of get started on the right foot. And I thought this would be an appropriate way to do it. Let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll look a little further into this subject. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. He could never have died on the cross for us had he not been born in that lowly stable. Our Father, we're so thankful for our Savior. Help us to honor him during this Christmas season. And we don't know, it might be our last one on the planet. Maybe as a Christmas gift, we'll hear the sound of the trumpet. And Jesus will come from heaven to to, to the clouds where he'll call us to himself. Oh, happy day. Our Father, which art in heaven, help us to glorify you this Christmas time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what is a birthday all about anyhow? Someone has, uh, has said, uh, it's almost a trick question, but they say, how many birthdays does the average Canadian have? You've heard this, I'm sure of it. And some people will say, oh, I don't know, 70, 80? And the answer is one. Everyone only has actual one real birthday, right? And everything thereafter is a celebration of that birthday, right? But we call it birthday, happy birthday. If you come to this church, you're, you're going to have a birthday. You're going to get a birthday card from me. I'm going to send you a birthday card. And I take great joy in doing it. And every birthday card, every anniversary card as well, I put a nice wax seal on the back. <laughs> Last week I burned myself. One of the little uh, spoons holding the, uh, the wax, we left on the candle too long. So you can't do that because then it starts to turn, you know, funny colors and it doesn't work right. And then it caught fire. It actually, poof, this flame on it. And so I held it. And I put my hand behind it, because my wife's sitting across the table, I put my hand to catch the smoke, and I blew, and all the hot wax went over my, my hand. Oh, it's dangerous business, I'll tell you. You know, you put your, sometimes you put your life on the line when you write uh, birthday cards and, uh, and things like that. So, but I do it because I love you. It's a joy to me to do it. But a birthday is a celebration of the, the fact that someone has made a good impression on our lives. If someone in your life is a blessing to you, typically you want to remember their birthday. And so you wish them happy birthday or write them a card or maybe buy them a gift or something like that. But a birthday celebration is a celebration of the fact that this person has been a blessing in my life. And maybe it's your wife or your husband or your son or daughter, your mother, your father, a friend, a relative, someone at work maybe but they've made a positive contribution in your life, and so you want to help to celebrate the fact that they were born. That's what a birthday is, a birthday celebration. That's what it's all about. Um, my wife has made such an impression, such a, an impact on my life. Uh, met her in 70, 1977, and we've been a hot item ever since. And so every year... I try to honor my wife on her birthday. And I'll be honest, it's getting a little more challenging for me. 
not because, you know, all the extra years, but just because I'm getting dull, I think, and older and <laughs> I'm not as creative, maybe. Uh, but you get the idea? Birthdays. So here's a question. Has Santa Claus had a meaningful impact in your life? When you think about it, what has the jolly old man done to you to impact your life in a meaningful, better way? Or maybe I could ask it this way. Has Jesus Christ impacted your life in a meaningful, positive way? If you had to choose between the two, if you could only celebrate one birthday, would you celebrate Santa? Would you celebrate Jesus? What would it be? It's an interesting thought. A few years ago, I found this uh, article. Um, over in England, this Anglican um, minister, Reverend Simon Tatton Brown. He was the uh, Anglican minister, the priest at St. Andrew's Church in Chippenham, Wiltshire. And he stood up in front of a whole bunch of kids and told them that Santa doesn't exist. Well, I'll tell you, that brought the wrath of all of the parents down on his head. And he ended up retracting and saying, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't have a prepared script. I just kind of spoke off the cuff. He made all these apologies. The following year, a Roman Catholic priest named Dennis Higgins told the children at St. Anne's Catholic School in Buxton, England, that Santa has nothing to do with Christmas and he doesn't even exist. It's a Roman Catholic priest who said that. Doesn't sound too bad, you know, really considering the source. I mean, I'd have to give him 10 out of 10 on that. But the school principal at St. Anne's uh, reassured the horrified students that um, the principal, he himself, has actually spoken to Santa to clear up any confusion caused by this priest. Angry parents said the priest was just mean, plain mean, after he upset all of their children by telling them that the jolly man doesn't even exist. So instead of tidings of joy, they got a message uh, about the real meaning of Christmas during which it was made clear. Uh, the festive season has nothing to do with Santa and a sleigh full of toys. That's what the kids received. Anyhow, the priest's comments have split his congregation. Uh, his church kind of split on this. And one parent who didn't want to be identified said, how dare he say such things to such young children to try and take away the magic of Christmas is just plain mean. It really saddens me that someone who should, be, who should respect uh, and, and, we, and look up to could do something so mean. Now, back to the school, the St. Anne's, the principal stood up and said these words, I want to reassure all the children here at St. Anne's uh, and their parents that I have personally spoken to Santa and told him about what has happened. He, has, he said he's sorry to hear about the confusion and he's promised me that he will arrange for all his elves to write to each of the children and reassure them that he will be definitely coming to visit them this Christmas. Well, that's the world we live in, folks. That's the kind of world we live in. Now, you can, you can either celebrate the birthday of Jesus, the Son of God, uh, or you can suffer the commercialism of Santa Claus. Santa Claus, Santa Claus-trophobia, how about that? 
Um, let, let's ask a couple of questions. Let's compare the two. Let's put Jesus on one side, Santa on the other. Let's try a little comparison. Was Santa Claus born of a virgin like Jesus was? Yes or no? I can't hear you. Yes or no? No. Okay. You got to speak a little louder because of those masks, right? And because I'm going deaf. All right. Did Santa Claus display exceptional wisdom as a child like Jesus did? Yes or no? Did Santa Claus face being tempted by Satan and was victorious like Jesus was? Yes or no? Um, did Santa Claus turn the water into wine? Yes or no? Did he feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish? No. Did he still the storm on the Sea of Galilee? Did Santa Claus open the eyes of the blind? No. You're getting a little quieter here. Did Santa Claus open the ears of the deaf? Oh, good. He opened my eyes. Someone opened my eyes just now. Did Santa Claus cleanse the lepers? Yes or no? Did Santa Claus raise the dead? No. Did Santa Claus suffer the trial of cruel mockings like Jesus did? No, he didn't. Did Santa Claus wear a crown of thorns like Jesus did? No, he didn't. Was Santa Claus nailed to an old rugged cross like Jesus was? No. Did Santa Claus suffer the torture of a sinner's hell for you and me like Jesus did? No. Did Santa Claus die for our sins? Was he buried and did he rise from the dead three days later like Jesus did? No. Was Santa Claus received up in the glory like Jesus was? Is Santa Claus sitting on the right hand of God the Father like Jesus is? No. Is Santa Claus coming back to earth one day to set up his millennial kingdom? No. Well, what does the scripture say? Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not really about giving gifts to each other. It's not really about sitting down uh, as, as families and as groups around big tables loaded with food. It's not really about that, is it? And it's certainly not about wild parties with alcohol and marijuana and things like that. It has nothing to do with that. Christmas is all about a person. It's the celebration of the birth of the Savior of men. That's what Christmas is all about. Now how does that impact our lives? Maybe we ought to go home and put up something that, on our walls that says, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hooray for the Savior. Some people, what they do is they take this Bible verse and they make a sign they put on their front lawn. I've seen that around town. What my wife and I do is on our garage, we put up a big poster, a big long poster, and it says, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's what we put there. And everyone who drives by gets to look at that. What can we do? What can we do? If we send a, a Christmas card to Aunt Matilda and Uncle Zeke, maybe we could put in a little gospel tract. How about that? That, that might help. Something that would point to Jesus. I suppose there's different, different things we could do. But I do believe that the bottom line 
is the bottom line. Christmas is all about a person. It's about Jesus. I don't know if anyone here today or anyone watching online has yet to meet Jesus Christ by faith. There's a lot of people that have heard about Jesus and there are certainly a lot of people that take his name in vain, right? Boy, doesn't that just irk you when they do that? They do that the world over. They do it at work. They do it at school. Some people think they're being tough and so they take the Lord's name in vain. Or sometimes they add some horrible adjectives to it. They try and drag his name in the dirt. And they think that makes them look tough. Boy, that's a sorry sight if you ask me. To take the name of the Savior. To do that. So we have to be careful sometimes that we, we don't let our flesh come, come through and tell them, Shut up! <laughs> You have no right to, to say that. We need to pray for people more, I suppose. But I'm not sure if everyone here has actually trusted in Christ as Savior or everyone watching online. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior? Now, a lot of people have been raised maybe Catholic or Anglican and they have this idea, well, I must be a Christian. I must be. I go to a Christian church. And so therefore that would make me a Christian. Well, that, uh, that, that is a line of thinking. Uh, when I was a boy growing up, I used to attend the Anglican Church, which is like the Church of England, or it's also called the Episcopalian Church. It's all the same. And I thought I was a Christian because I knew I wasn't Jewish. So I figured there's either Jewish or Christian, and I'm not Jewish, therefore I must be a Christian. And that's what I thought. But I wasn't a Christian a Christian is not someone who goes to a church or reads the Bible or gives money in the offering plate or says prayers. A Christian is someone who has, listen, Jesus Christ himself living, living inside the heart. That's a Christian. That's a born again Christian man or woman. Say, so, well, how do you get Jesus in the heart? Now that's sort of the wonderful thing about Christmas, that Christ was born into this world. Christ can be sort of born into our hearts by faith. We're not talking about some kind of touchy-feely, emotional kind of thing. We're talking about something that's absolutely real. An illustration I've used before, I use it again. If I could put up on an easel a, a canvas, uh, and I got some paintbrushes and some oil paints, and I gave them to you and I said, okay, paint the Mona Lisa. Well, you might laugh and say, ha, fat chance of that happening. And you might draw a stick figure. Some of you that are good at art might be able to get, you know, something. But the truth is, no one here could paint the Mona Lisa. Because none of us here are Leonardo da Vinci. But what if? Somehow, Leonardo da Vinci could come and live inside of you. What if? Well, all of a sudden now, there'd be a new you. And you'd start singing, Oh, mamma mia. And you'd, uh, I don't know, call for spumoni and uh, pizza and say, Give me them our uh, brushes. And you'd grab the, and you'd start to, to do the thing. And lo and behold, 
we can't believe our eyes. You are actually painting the Mona Lisa. Well, it's not really you. It's, it's Da Vinci inside of you. So if Jesus Christ is inside of you, he is going to exhibit that in a brand new life. Your life will be marked by love and joy and peace. Your, your life will be marked by a, a growing hunger and thirst to be near God and to be around God's people. And if you're here today or you're watching online and say, well, I, I don't think I have that, then maybe Jesus isn't inside your heart. The simple truth is this. We're all born into a sinful world. We all commit sin. The moment you committed your first sin, that's what separated you from God. You didn't have to pull the trigger and murder anyone. By the way, that's happening a lot these days. Have you noticed? Mass shootings. Another one just last week down in the States. Young boy goes in there with a gun. Four people are dead now and several others are injured. They not only arrested him, they arrested his mom and dad as well. And they're charging them as well as the boy because they're realizing that they bought a gun, they made it available to him. They also said things that could be interpreted as incitement for that kind of behavior. Anyhow, the whole family's up on trial now. Terrible, terrible stuff. Our sin has separated us from God. We can't go to heaven. That's why God feels like he's out there somewhere. If you're here today or watching online and your concept of God is, well, I'd like to know him more. He's out there somewhere. Hey, God, can you hear me? Can you see me? And by the way, that's how I used to pray when I was a young boy. Can you hear me? A lot of people today, they go through life and that's how they pray. They don't know how to pray because they've never met the Lord. But sin has separated us. And the sad news is there's a place called hell. There's a place called heaven. And some people think, well, the saints, they go to heaven. Well, not just what we would call the saints, but ordinary people can go to heaven too. And then there's hell. Oh, that's where the wicked people go. Yeah, but then ordinary people go to hell too. Well, what makes the difference? The difference is whether you have Jesus Christ or you don't have Jesus Christ. That's the difference. He that hath the Son hath eternal life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's what the Bible says. So very simply, our sin has separated us from God. We're on our way to a Christless eternity. Do you know how many days or weeks or years left you have to live? Do you have any guarantee, any absolute guarantee on tomorrow? If young children die of cancer and young adults die of brain hemorrhaging and people die in their sleep, do you have any guarantee that when you lay your head on the pillow, you'll wake up tomorrow morning just as healthy? No guarantees, right? No guarantees. That's why it's important. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. To put off your salvation is the same as playing Russian roulette. You know what that is. Where you take a gun that has the, the six chambers, you know, they spin it, you know, the, the revolver gun. And the chambers are empty and you put in one bullet. You give it a couple of spins. A few guys are around the table. 
The first guy picks it up, puts it to his head, pulls the trigger, click, nothing happens. He pushes the gun to the guy beside him. The guy beside him does the same thing. Click, nothing happened. He pushes the gun to the next guy. Well, any one, any one of those guys, right, could blow their brains out. To put off eternal salvation is like playing Russian roulette with your life. You have no guarantee you'll wake up tomorrow. That's why God is telling us, now is the time, today is the day. Well, how do I receive Jesus? Well, realize that Jesus is God. They're one and the same. And Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Everything you owe in hell, he paid for. Every creepy thing, dirty, rotten thing, immoral thing, everything, every sin Jesus paid for. Well, then why can't I automatically, if he paid it all, why can't, doesn't that give me a free ticket? Can I not then just automatically go to heaven? Not quite. The payment has been made, but it has to be applied to your account. Now, I don't know of any known cure for these Omicron, Delta, COVID diseases. I know that the vaccines seem to be helping to stave it off. That's my opinion. But I don't know of any actual cure. According to the statistics I read this morning, over 5.2 million people worldwide have died on account of COVID. I don't know of any actual cure for the disease. I don't know. A lot of people get it and they get better. That's great. But 5.2 million of them got it and died. And some of them had the vaccine too, by the way. Let's, you know, let's make that known. But they, they're dead. What if they came up with a cure? Hey, there's dancing in the streets. Wait a minute, time out. The cure is no good as long as it's in the bottle on the shelf. The cure has got to get inside of us, right? Otherwise it does no good. If you get COVID or Omicron or whatever, grab that bottle, glug, glug. It's done. You're cured. But you get Omicron or Delta or COVID and you don't grab that bottle, whose fault is it that you die? Is it the manufacturer's fault? If a man or woman goes to hell, whose fault is it? Is it Jesus' fault because he died on the cross for their sins? No. It's their fault because they never applied the remedy to their lives. Your mom may be a Christian. She may be in heaven today. Your dad may have loved the Lord. He may be in heaven today. But that doesn't guarantee you're going to heaven. There's an old saying, God has no grandchildren. Have you ever heard that? God has children. People, men and women that have received Jesus Christ, they become God's children. But God has no grandchildren. It doesn't automatically pass on to your kids. Mom, dad, if you're saved, hallelujah. But how about junior? How about little sissy? Are they saved? If your if your um, uh, home got hit with a bomb and you all died, would you all be in heaven? Boy, it's 
serious, serious question. More serious than COVID. More serious than whether your stocks are going up or going down. More serious than whether you're going to have a, a golden watch and a golden handshake and, and retire at 65 and live for the next 20 years in comfort. This is far more serious, isn't it? Our sin has separated us from God. We're on our way to a Christless eternity called hell. And only the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts. Only Christ's sacrifice will save us. So how do I get it? How do I get it? Well, you need to come to terms with God. And you need to admit to God that you are the sinner Jesus died for. Even though maybe you never pointed a gun at anyone and pulled the trigger. But maybe in your heart, you wish someone was dead. Maybe you never took a man or a woman and uh, uh, went to, to bed with them and committed adultery or fornication. Maybe you never did that. But in your heart, maybe you've done that more than once. You get the idea. And that sin has separated you from God. And that's all it took. If something doesn't happen, you may lift up your eyes in hell one day. Doesn't sound very loving, does it? But if the doctor told you you had cancer, that doesn't sound very loving either, does it? But yet, if you had cancer, wouldn't you want the doctor to tell you? I sure would. I thank God for the day I learned that I was a sinner on my way to hell. Here's what I did. Here's what millions of others have done. Here's what you can do. Admit to God you're a sinner. Admit to Him that you're on your way to hell. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to come into your heart and to be your Savior. You can be saved today without having to light any candles or say any Hail Marys. You can be saved today without putting a dime in the offering or with, without getting baptized or without any of these other things. You can be saved today by receiving Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. But it's up to you. It's every man's choice. It's every woman's choice. And if a man or woman says, well, I'm not going to tell God that I'm a sinner going to hell, that's your choice. But that's where you'll end up. And that's the only way we can be saved is to repent of our sin and to trust in Jesus Christ, put our faith in what Jesus did for us, to ask him to forgive us. Do you know of anyone who's not saved? Boy, don't you just wish. You know, our sister Roman was forced to leave the mission field of Ethiopia and come home here to Canada because of all the war and turmoil. Do you realize that if everyone in Ethiopia were to receive Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, do you realize there'd be no more war? Right? It'd be like heaven on earth. And I'll tell you something. A lot of Christians from around the world would do anything to move to Ethiopia. Whereas a whole nation of people that are saved and love the Lord. Why? That means our sister Roman's ministry would change. There'd be no more souls to lead to Christ. They're all saved. But they need to be taught. They need to be loved and prayed for and taught. Well, the choice is ours. I made my decision back on April the 6th, 1975. That's a few years ago.
And my testimony is this. I wish I had done it sooner. God is so good. I wish I had done it sooner. I wish I had understood that I was a lost sinner. I wish I had heard. I wish someone would have told me what Jesus did for me. I would have received him as my Savior. Let's bow our heads now. We're going to have a word of prayer. Folks at home also, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.